Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So on today's episode, uh, kind of last-minute uh, reschedule, had a lot of stuff going on yesterday, but I uh, have here with me uh, Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, of course. It's, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. We miss, we miss this weekend, and, you know, as I said, I want to be, uh, you know, a bit more active with the community and talking and uh, getting some of my ideas out there and just kind of chatting with everybody. So, Yeah, and uh, today's episode, uh, um, again, if you haven't seen the title, uh, we're going to be talking about attachments. Um, you know, it's more a general discussion about attachments, when to put them in units, when not to, but we might dive into some specific examples and, and whatnot and some awesome, like some awesome uh, combinations. But um, this is actually a, because uh, we have like a huge list of like topics to talk about. And this one's been on there for a while. Um, I mean, a lot of the topics were kind of delayed with trying to uh, go over all the different uh, 2021 units and uh, all the, you know, every aspect of all the, the factions with 2021. But even before we had that um, on our plate, this uh, this topic has kind of sat in our uh, queue, so, so to speak, for quite a while. So I'm excited to get to talk about this one. Um, so I wanted to talk about this topic because I felt that it would help a lot of newer players out. Uh, and that's one thing I want to start uh, doing is mixing in some topics that are really good for uh, newer players uh, or even maybe not even necessarily newer players but just casual ones um, that are looking to, you know, maybe just do their, their monthly uh, tournament, you know, not looking to go to some big event but kind of wants to dip their toe in you know, a little more of the competitive aspect uh, without, you know, diving too much into it. But, you know, sometimes people can, uh, I think, be stuck in their ways of list building, whether it be uh, never running attachments or running um, too many attachments, running, um, you know, attachments in in the wrong units that don't synergize as well as because I've seen lots of lists where, you know, the list looks amazing, you know, and they're asking for criticism and I'm just like, Oh, well this looks perfect. Just this one attachment. I think it would actually be better. You don't have to switch the attachment, just move it to this other unit. Cause I think you would benefit more from it. Um, and that's kind of what uh, today's topics about. Um, so to you know, kind of start us off, Brett, uh, what's your what's your thoughts and opinion about this topic? This one's a little bit this one's a little bit odd for me because as a fan of you know the way the game is designed as as a flavor piece, I absolutely love attachments. I love the customization options. I love some of the really cool things that you can do. The hiccup for me is since I mostly play competitive, now, now granted, I do play very casually in person, particularly in Indy where we're really building up the club. You know, we've got 
several new players. We're working on, you know, building Indy back to about 20 regular players, which is awesome. But I am not going to go to Indy and, <laughs> you know, slap them in the mouth with this optimized Lannister panic list. You know, I've got my champions of faith in all the right places. I've got Flayed men that are boosted by High Sparrow. You know, I'm going to frustrate the crap out of you with this list. I try to reserve that for the more competitive things. But uh, when I play the more casual, I actually have a ton more fun because some of these attachments that I bring, it's like, man, this is really, really cool. Like this, this is working. But again, it's in that more, it's in that more of a casual atmosphere because I'm not having to play against awful. I'm not having to play against, you know, an optimized uh, Lannister faith militant with Flaidmen. You know, a lot of times uh, people are bringing maybe one Flaidmen just to add a little bit of mobility, but it's not it's not to the level that you see when you get into a more uh, competitive kind of cutthroat environment. So the, the reason this subject is tricky for me is because I love attachments, but then at the same time the, the, competitive, the competitive side of me, the side of me that knows you know, what it takes to win games at the tournament level is like, you know, you, you min-max the attachments. You, you find there, if there's an attachment that you can't do without, you know, you bring it. If not, you just, you're either reaching for an upgraded NCU, finding a way to squeeze in, you know, if you've got a six-point unit and you've got the point to add an attachment, you're pretty much always going to upgrade it to, like, uh, hedge knights or you're going to... Um, drop it down to a five-pointer and, and bring your four-pointer up or something like this. You know, you're going to move the parts around, and it's generally going to be not using those points to add attachment. You're going to upgrade your four-point NCU to a five-point NCU to make the list stronger in that sense, or you're going to upgrade that unit. You know, Storm Crow Archers become Bastards Girls, something like this is generally what happens. Yeah, and... I think, uh, you know, kind of exploring the different attachment options is, is an awesome way to expand your, you know, just your experience as a player. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that I've seen some attachments that just look horrible on paper. And I'm not, I'm not saying every time that happens, you know, I play them and they become this amazing attachment. But, they, you know, more often than not, they're at at minimum just very enjoyable to play. Like, you know, it, it spices, you know, the game up, it mixes it up, uh, it opens new avenues and new uh, combo potentials that may not be the most optimal thing out there, but it gives you this different, you know, level of play that, uh, you know, kind of breathes, you know, some fresh uh, life into the game. So that's... You know, and that's why I'm always that's the one thing I'm the most excited about all the time seeing is hero boxes, just the all the different commanders attachments NCUs that they start adding to to uh, to factions, and you know I cannot wait for uh, whatever they have in store for neutral hero box three because you know obviously that can go into seven different seven I think if you're not counting free folk seven different factions you know assuming we're talking uh neutrals is their own faction i know some people out there <laughs> don't uh, yeah. recognize yeah, them sorry. <laughs> you got lannister stark neutral night watch 
Targaryen, Baratheon, Greyjoy. So, yeah. Greyjoy, yep, so seven. So, yeah, when, when that Hero Box 3 comes out for neutral, I mean, that's seven factions. I mean, because I play all of them. I know not everyone out there does that, but even if you just play multiple factions, when you get a neutral Hero Box, I mean, you're it doubles, triples, quadruples, etc. cetera, uh, the number of potential um, in your list building. So, um so I would definitely, you know, before we dive way too deep into this uh, topic, you know, anyone that's out there that's always been kind of on the fence about certain attachments, even if they look horrible on paper, I'm talking straight up, not even worth their points. I would say if you're you're playing a casual game, just throw them in there. I mean, I bet you more often than not, they're at least going to perform you know, if if your expectations are they're going to be really bad, chances are they'll at least exceed your expectations. Um, you know, they might not blow you know blow your mind, and you may you may not play them again after that game. But you know, it just again, it's another way to open up avenues of different play styles and different uh, potential for your faction. Um, so, Brett, what's uh? Um, uh, we'll start with this. What's one unit that you see get added uh, attachments to that you think, um, I don't know how to, the right way to word this, because I'm not trying to imply that it's wrong for anyone to uh, add an attachment to any in particular unit, but I guess what unit would you say is really good by itself and doesn't really need that extra investment in points. But, I mean, obviously you still could. But uh, so more so what be, what would be a good unit um, or what would be a unit that you see a lot of people just, they dump uh, points into uh, with attachments that you don't really think is necessary and the points could be better sp- spent elsewhere? Um. It's a difficult question. Um, obviously, you're throwing out <laughs> anything that has adaptive because they're going to get an attachment. I mean, the thing that I'm seeing, the thing that, that I'm was what that I was going to really suggest. Like is <laughs> the the Stormcrow mercenaries in a neutral army. I'm seeing them get played with Ramsey and Reek because you can use the Stormcrow adaptive ability to get Reek for free, essentially, and then the Stormcrow mercs. As far as a five-point unit, they're a little bit tankier than the cutthroats, which is what you want for your commander. So if you're squeezing that five-point unit in, Ramsey feels like a pretty good spot for that um, because you'll get reek, and then you don't feel like you're wasting points to get that extra point of armor save that the Stormcrow mercs offer versus the uh, cutthroats. But other than that, Boy. you a unit that I see okay. almost – almost always getting an attachment as poor fellows, they're generally getting the champion of the faith. That's dual purpose. It's because you generate faith tokens that way. And um, also it's just a phenomenal five point support piece. It's a unit that's misleadingly tanky, couple of wounds because of precision. And then the champion of the faith just becomes a token farm for your other heavy hitters. Um, Reavers, I see attachments in them. But I think as far as Greyjoys go, 
the attachments that I see more than anything are Victorian because he has relentless Victorian's attachment. Um, you see Newt, you see uh, Carl, and you see Asha. Those are like really, really popular attachments. Greyjoys seem to be an army that kind of likes attachments because those guys are so popular. Um, Newt is nearly auto-include if you're running Victorian. And almost every list is going to have Carl because Expert Duelist is so good. But also Asha just takes whatever unit and giving them that five morale is really, really, really strong. So um, I see a lot of Ironmakers with Asha and Carl. That's a nine-point unit. Um, I guess the, the direct answer to your question is I'm, I'm not sure how much I love that build. Um, that's nine points. Uh, I get Expert Duelist is really, really, really good. But for those nine points, you could be doing Flayed Men with uh, the Glory Seeker, you know, and getting some healing out of the Flayed Men plus adding the mobility. Um, or you could even just be doing something as simple as uh, Reavers with Victorian's attachment and getting two activations out of it, and it's a point left. Um, I get why it's popular. I get why it's strong. I don't want to talk out of turn because I am by no means a Greyjoy player. They are one of the armies I have never touched. I think they are actually the only army I've never played. I've played all neutrals. I've played everything else. I have never picked up Greyjoys and played a game. So I am probably talking out of turn here. You might be able to enlighten me. But from where I'm sitting, that nine-point unit seems like a pretty big investment when you're looking at a faction that has four-point bowmen and a very, very, very good, arguably the best five-point unit in the game. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, anytime I'm building a list and I have uh, Iron Makers in there, um, you know, whether it be Asha Commander or it's Asha One-Point Attachment, and then I have Carl one point attachment and or the two point attachment. Um, you know, I always try to spread around those effects um, because having this nine point tanky unit that has moderate offense uh, and isn't you know is just average speed for infantry. Um, it's not a, you know it's not something as a Greyjoy player I want to invest that many points into, uh, knowing that the Greyjoys really are kind of the second uh, horde faction as of right now. You know, obviously we could get like two more units after the Silenced Men um, that are also like seven points and really drive home that this faction isn't supposed to be like a horde. But as of right now, because of Bowmen, Trappers, and Reavers all being, in my opinion, the best three units in the uh, in the faction, um, and they're all five and four points. Now, uh, what I actually like to try to do is, because uh, I know if, if you were to say, like, the number one or number two uh, unit, like, attachment combo in the game for... Greyjoys, it's probably Asha Commander in Iron Makers with the one-point Carl attachment. Um, and yes, that one's only eight points, but again, I would even say even at eight points, being your commander, I would rather just put Asha in 
trappers or bowmen, but probably trappers because uh, you might want to still get her on an objective and bowmen, uh, you kind of want to keep more in the backfield. And now you have this eight point, uh, or sorry, eight point, uh, four point trapper unit that has a five up morale, giving a five up morale bubble and is only a four point investment that you can sit Asha over on an objective granting this bubble over to, uh, I have a list where it's Asha and the trappers and then two iron makers, one with, uh, um, Harl two point attachment. And I know again, that is, you know, that's going to be nine points, but, um, now I can have that iron maker, uh, unit get Eric's, um, pillage to get that two up five up. And then I have another Iron Maker with Euron, and I have him stay within Asha's bubble. So now I have on the field that can stay far from each other, um, uh, a two-up, five-up, uh, and really start to use that defensive unit to harass and be this like unmovable thing that's just you know going on the opponent's side of the board rather than kind of sitting back and waiting for them to come to me. Uh, but I like to try to, even though Greyjoys have a decent amount of ways uh, between Carl and the captains to, you know, have that doubled up um, attachment slots, I try to spread around the wealth, you know, spread around the um, the attachments to all my different units to just kind of start giving the buffs everywhere. But to kind of um, go back to the Lannister topic you were talking about uh, the um, poor fellows I would say one unit for me that uh, I see so many um, people just running uh, you know with no attachment in it and I understand why they're so strong is uh, guardsmen you know I absolutely love putting attachments to guardsmen uh, offensive attachments to give them that extra little bite so that way, you know, my opponent can't just ignore me. I may not be some, like, super offensive unit with any attachment in there, but uh, I have enough offense that I'm going to whittle them down over the course of the game. And if they ever decide to try to, you know, retaliate from my attacks, you know, they could end up finishing themselves off. Uh, so, like, my number one attachment I love putting in them is just uh, an assault veteran. Um you know, because now my six dice on a four up have that uh, minus one plus one damage, and then if you put the um, Lannister pays his debts on there and get that triggered, now you're going with a minus three on that panic, uh, and then a plus one on the damage, plus two if you got Joffrey, plus three if you want to do a hear me roar. I mean, you could really turn some guardsmen into some, uh, you know, super like damage potential depending on what uh, resources you have on hand. Yeah, I can, I agree with that. Um, it's, it's a concept I've talked about, but I haven't really done a whole lot to make it reality. I was tinkering around with um, Stormcrow mercenaries with Mandan Moore kind of for the same reason. Uh, at five points, he gives them three plus to hit and thundering. Um, I do like the idea of guardsmen with Mandon Moore. 
but definitely the assault veteran. I, I think I think everybody who's played more than you know a handful of games versus mixed factions um, has seen played men, has seen Roos's commander, things like this. Uh, they understand how powerful intimidating presence is. It's one of the better keywords in the game. Definitely, I don't think it's the best, but it's a very good one. Uh, so the assault veteran having it just on hand is pretty scary. Um, I do still like Manon more. Um, he was a guy I wanted to love. In 1.6 is two-point price tag and situational, you know, units kind of kept him out of play. Now I think he's phenomenal. I think he works in Blackguard. He works in Mercenaries. He works in Guardsmen. And you could even make a case for putting him in Poor Fellows. I know you only get five attack dice, but you would have four-plus to hit, Thundering, and then the Precision as well. Could be a pretty nasty bite from the Guardsmen. But um, it's a concept I wanted to try, you know, with Starks and the Sworn Sword Captain even. You know, a unit of Blackguard with um, the Sworn Sword Captain could work because you, you want to give incentive to attack these tanky units, and the only way to do that is to make those tanky units have a little bit of bite, um, which is, you know, a benefit to Iron Makers. They're one of the few truly tanky, like, three-plus armor saver better units that will actually come in and do a lot of damage if you ignore them because of their critical blow hitting on three-plus, and then you're getting weakened if you roll a one on the defensive dice. They, they can be pretty problematic. They're disruptive. So I like pushing that concept and that idea out to other units. Yeah, exactly. I've seen, um, you know, some people, um, you know, some random lists around, around uh, you know, the Internet that, you know, you give uh, in a Euron list, you know, you have that uh, intimidating presence. And if you can get those Iron Makers with... Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Vargo. You put Vargo in there. Give them that vicious. And um, because you have multiple ways to give out weakened um, for some uh, attachment uh, sniping, and then you can put like one point Carl someplace else. Um, it really, you know, combined with that critical blow on, like if you let that Iron Maker unit get that charge off. Uh, and if they can even get even just a couple sixes in there, and then now with that uh, vicious, and then if if the intimidating presence is active, I mean you're looking at uh, probably a lot of pain. Um, I would say while we're on the topic of Greyjoys, um, one unit I do want to say that personally feel uh, is one of those units that almost absolutely needs an attachment. And that's just because of my opinion that I think they're just lacking something, uh, and that's uh, um, the um, the Reapers. Uh, they're they're my favorite model. Well, I don't know. Once the Silencemen officially drop for uh, by me, Silencemen will probably be my new favorite. But as of right now, the Reapers are my favorite uh, unit. Just the way they look, the way they're, um, you know, the way they're. Uh, designed and how they're supposed to operate. Um, but that's kind of the, you know, also their drawback is the fact that their ability is only when they attack. 
whereas things like prey on fear and intimidating presence, you just simply have to be engaged. And every time they pass uh, or fail a panic test, it will trigger those effects, whereas um, the only time you're going to get the effects from the Reapers is when they attack and you then fail. Um, so the Iron Ma or sorry, the, the Reapers are a unit that I just can't bring myself to field unless I'm putting an attachment in there. A lot of times I like putting Carl in there for that auto wound to trigger that panic test automatically. Um, uh, sometimes a, a war sworn just because, you know, extra healing. If I can get two pillage on that unit, and now I'm healing an insane amount every time, uh, not only when I deal at least one wound, but if they then fail, um, it almost the healing itself ends up being so much that they're really hard to move. Um, another attachment I like putting in there is uh, is just uh, commanders, like Victarian, Balon, um, a lot of that stuff. I mean, Balon is kind of the same reason as the um, the War Sworn. I mean, they both have Fuel by Slaughter. Uh, Victarian, just because, um, whatchamacallit, uh, you know, I can get him with his cards into combat really good. But, yeah, they're definitely that one unit that uh, comes to mind that I just can't bring myself to field them without an attachment. Um, I've had talks with uh, with... A couple people about it but to me I don't know I, it just seems odd uh, <clears throat> excuse me that the silencemen iron makers and reapers all have seven five four as their profile and they're all like the more elite ish units but then you have the reavers who are five points and they're seven six four I mean, I could understand Iron Makers because they're so defensive, staying at 754, but I almost feel like the Reavers should be 754, and then the Reapers and the Silencemen should be 764. Um, and I think that small little change uh, could really uh, change my mind about, uh, about uh, Reapers and Silencemen because I know everyone heard when when we reviewed the Silencemen, you know, we had talked about that, and I was I was shocked that there were seven points. I I was so sure they were going to be six, um, but I think that small little little. Um, how about you? Is there a unit that comes to mind that you just, you know, you look at it and you could put an attachment in there, but you just your habits always has you running them uh, with no attachment. Um, sorry, I, really, I meant the opposite. I, I meant, uh, that, is there a unit in there that you, like, have to run an attachment in? Like, you just, you don't, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but when you build your list, you're just like, eh, that unit, I really want to have something in there to give it that extra boost. Well, it's tricky for me. I'm primarily playing, um... In person, I'm playing Baratheons, um, and then, like, online on TTS and in current tournaments and most of my pickup games, I'm messing around with Lannisters more than anything. Obviously, Night's Watch is still in my back pocket there, faction since, like, 2019, so um, I just <laughs> don't really play Night's Watch right now because no matter what I run, 
even if I leave the crossbows at home, there's always grumbling and complaining when you bring Night's Watch. So that's an unfortunate thing because I really like them, but I feel like not only from, like from the, 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 you know, jury of popular opinion or, or whatever you want to say, it's, it's always an asterisk if you win with Night's Watch. It doesn't matter if you play, you know, no conscripts and you're running like starter box Night's Watch. There will always be grumbling and complaining and people will say things like, oh, well, of course you won, you played Night's Watch. I very strongly dislike that. So with Lannisters, for me, um, I'm just now kind of tinkering with Red Cloaks. I'm just now buying into the Red Cloak thing, which is so probably... Um, unheard of for most people because red clothes are <laughs> so so good but i wanted to avoid them kind of because of the same thing uh in particular when the charge action was still two actions and people were grumbling and complaining about them so much i purposely avoided running red cloaks as a result but now i'm getting into them and i, I think the temptation is there to to throw you know, even an assault vet in there. I'm running them with Roost Commander right now, and, and that intimidating presence is really, really nasty. Uh, the assault vet and even the Bolton Flare are really tempting. Um, Man and Moore, obviously, always a solid choice, but even something like Eris Oakheart to shore up their defense and keep them around at three ranks for longer, or Barris and Selmy. And I, I know Selmy's two points that turns them into what's essentially a unit of flayed men, but if you can keep your red cloaks at three ranks by either rerolling defensive dice with Oakheart or healing with Selmy, and with Selmy you're shoring up their morale from a six to a four, I think it can be pretty strong, but at the same time they do, they function almost just like a unit of archers. You, you can sit them on the back, throw some panic tests as support, which is like a ranged attack. Uh, if you're running the High Sparrow, you can get some healing out um, by targeting a weaker morale unit, throwing the High Sparrow on them specifically to target them with your Red Cloaks, and, and they just work really well in that regard. But um, they do get quite a bit nastier when you when you start adding attachments to them. Um, I know Yannick, our, our friend from Tabletop Warden, is currently running a list doing really, really well in this German event that he and I are playing um, it's the Tabletop Warden Tournament. He's running Red Cloaks with Man and More, and I think he has Red Cloaks with another attachment, and he is in the top four right now. I think he's currently in second place, so he's doing really, really well with that. So that's, I guess that's it's one fun. unit that comes to mind. They're perfectly fine on their own. They're perfectly fine and capable on their own, but throwing that attachment in them really does ramp them up and it gives them a couple of other purposes. The other one that comes to mind, I guess, is any ranged unit. Now, of course, you're discounting uh, Night's Watch Crossbowman with Watch Captain because that's everybody knows that one. But any ranged unit where you're adding brawn is really, 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 really good. So there's always that temptation to do that as well. And the yeah, Kranich especially uh, for Stark Bowman. Stark Bowman with the Kranigman Warden are one of the better seven-point range units. They just do so much. Uh, it's such a cool unit. Yeah, and I was going to say the Lightbringers with Braun, I think, are like the go-to ranged uh, combo with Braun just because of the Lightbringers' natural four-up save and six-up morale. I mean, making them a, a three-up, five-up is just 
like it's almost like unheard of for a ranged unit to have. Um, so, but uh, go back to what you're talking about with the red cloaks. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually just played a game um, Saturday with Spencer, and um, I ran two red cloaks, uh, Mandamore, and then the other one I actually ran with uh, Marin Trant because uh, the timing of Intimidation of the Crown and the timing of uh, Lannister Justice are the same. So I can, when attacking, give the panicked and weakened token out um, so that that way when they then take their uh, uh, panic test, they are now panicked, uh, have a panic token for me to uh, apply immediately if I need to. Um, and then I was running Tywin Commander so that weakened token also compound the whole uh, weaken token theme of the army. Um, but yeah, red cloaks are, uh, I, that's a whole nother show, whole nother thing, but let's just say me, me and Spencer played, uh, back to back. I played Lannisters with red cloaks and demolished him with them. And then he played them against me and then demolished me. It was just, it was something else. Uh, the, it, it I think it, what it came down to was just the synergy of of uh, the Red Cloaks, Lannister Justice, and just the Lannister what the Lannisters already want to do with being able to do uh, negatives and uh, you know increase the damage uh, modifier, and then just all these different things for panic that it. I think that's what ends up turning into something just crazy in the end uh, for the combo potential of the Red Cloaks uh, with with Lannisters and, you know, Joffrey NCU to make sure you're guaranteed that zone. Um, so, yeah, the, I definitely agree with these guys. Uh, are definitely fine on their own, except especially six points. When you're, you're paying six points or less for something, I don't think anything it costs five can hit better than a, a four up unless you're talking about like uh, uh, outside abilities later on but naturally you don't start at uh, anything uh, that's better than a four up but six up a lot of six up units are still hitting on fours but when you find a handful of them that do hit on threes you know it's it's pretty uh it's pretty crazy uh their potential so um, I would say more often than not, when I'm running these guys, uh, I'm also adding an attachment of some kind, whether it be the Assault Vet or some some sort of King's Guard, since I'm already going to want to run Joffrey. Um, all right, let's see. Um, what, uh, what would you say is some, uh, like, go-to combo potentials uh, like uh, attachment combos um, that maybe a lot of competitive players would know about, but maybe more casual players uh, might not have put the, the two together. Um, I think I think from the free folk end, um, just touch on them briefly. Um, the combination of Harma's attachment is 
uh, in conjunction with her unlocking her bannerman is really, really, really nasty. Now, I know that you know about and you do run uh, Harma's bannerman in a unit of Spearwives with Spearwife Matriarch, turning them oh, yeah. into a very deadly but also very, very, very annoying uh, unit. But uh, Harma herself uh, bringing Sentinel is just so good. Um, let me think. Who else has Sentinel? Sentinels themselves have Sentinel, of course. Um, but I the noble frankly, attachment. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. Frankly, that's why I was getting at it. Frankly, and and the noble Solo himself. Frankly, I'm surprised. You see a lot of Solo Dragonstone Noble. That's probably because he's a four-point unit, you know, in an activation that's not an NCU for a faction that really uh, doesn't have a lot of ways to get to high activations. Probably a big reason why the Noble's so popular. But the Noble attachment is maybe criminally underused, I would say. Um, putting that guy in a unit of Flademen is yep. really, really, really scary. Um, if you've got a unit like the Lightbringers, I know that the Lightbringers are seven points. I know they're a little bit expensive, but if you've got them kind of standing there firing shots into you and chaining panic, that's a unit that you're going to want to get over and get rid of. Um, and if you've got Flademen with the Dragonstone Nobles sitting in range of that unit to countercharge, it can be, that can be the key to you know, keeping those archers firing because they can't risk getting that flank charge by the Flademen because they charge the archers to get rid of them. They can't reliably be crown zapped and, and their damage brought down because their morale is pretty good. So um, I would definitely, if I was, if you're just kind of getting into the game, you haven't had a lot of experience, um, I think any attachment that brings war cry is definitely something that you need to be looking into getting into your list. Um, that's Torment for Free Folk, the Champion of Faith for Lannisters, uh, Blood Riders come with the Targaryens. I think that's their only access to it. Asha's Attachment, another reason she's so popular. It's not just the morale buff, it's War Cry. Um, and She Bears for Starks bringing War Cry. The, that's an ability you really need to look at. Um, the other one is Sentinel. I think it's an ability that you, you want to kind of chase after. Uh, this revamped version of the game, they've kind of toned down some of the movement shenanigans. Swift Advance has become Swift Reposition, which at best is a three-inch maneuver. Uh, so any ability that's giving you a free maneuver on your opponent's turn is going to be really, really strong. Anybody who's played Rob's Commander or Tyrion's Commander and taken advantage of even the three-inch shit that happens on your opponent's turn can probably testify to how good that is. So Sentinel is just that much better. I mean, the counter charge is cherry, you know, on top of the ice cream sundae. Uh, but even just the maneuver is really, really, really good. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, especially if you can have multiple of them. I love running, uh, I have one list. It's, uh, um, a unit of Sentinels with the Sentinel Order, but then I also have a unit of Zorse Riders with a Dragonstone Noble because now I have a Cavalry unit that moves, uh, I believe, six inches, right? They didn't change that or anything. Let me just double-check, make sure I'm not uh, misspeaking. Um, 
So they're, I believe, the only uh, unit that Baratheons have access to that, um, uh, and only cavalry between um, the Baratheon and the neutrals that they have access to that has a six-inch move. So, and the Zorse Riders now with uh, what they were changed um, from what we saw um, now need to get into the flank or rear um, to get one or both of their effects. And that Sentinel order uh, can really help you uh, get, you know, that free six-inch maneuver um, is really going to help you get into that flank of a unit. Um, and then not only that, like I was saying, having multiple Sentinel orders, you know, between the Sentinels and then now this uh, this cavalry unit, whether or not you don't want Zorst Riders, if you just want to run, um, you know, Flayed Men, that, you know, you're getting all this free, manu- uh, free movement like you said, on your opponent's turn, but it's even better than that because it's in reaction to the completion of an attack, meaning even though it's on your opponent's turn, it's after they've pretty much done anything that would matter. Uh, So it's not like you're moving within position of being attacked now uh, before you have the chance to do something about it. Um, And then to go back to what you were talking about with Free Folk, uh, Harma, um, you know, she gives Sentinel, but I actually also love, uh, let's see, let me pull up my list with her. I absolutely love also putting her in a unit of Cave Dwellers Savages. You know, that four, you know, six up save is a little dangerous for your commander, but a four up morale means, you know, they're going to have to kill you through weight of dice usually. Uh, and then now their movement is a seven with Sentinel. Um, or no, wait, I'm thinking uh, that, no, she has the spear flanking, but still, um, Harma Commander with the plus one move, and then you put Egret on them to give them an eight-inch uh, uh, maneuver, you know, tw- uh, a 16-inch march, especially if you also take uh, the free maneuver with uh, Egret influence first, and now you're giving your cave dweller savages an eight-inch uh, free maneuver um, to really uh, move up the field if necessary. Um, especially if you also have Lady Val, you could do it twice. Now you've gone 16 inches and haven't even activated. Um, and then, as you're saying, uh, that is my number one favorite combo. Uh, is Harma's Bannerman and a Matriarch in a Spearwife. I know that's seven points for a Free Folk unit, but if your opponent doesn't have a ranged unit or is, or just, let's say, because you're Free Folk and you have a lot of activation drops, you can avoid your this unit being within range of your opponent's uh, uh, ranged unit. Only, like, true weakness, in my opinion, is a ranged unit just picking them off. But... More often than not, whatever charges into them, you know, they're you know, they're going to do like I don't know four to seven wounds usually, um, and you're going to retreat and heal two to four of that, and then now be in perfect position to get your combo off, or even get your combo off first. They attack you, gives you that free uh, retreat and heal, and. Uh, you know, it just it allows you to do what the Spearwives were meant to do, but you can do it over and over and over again. Whereas, um, 
you know, a lot of times this unit, you just put, uh, let's say, I know a lot of people like putting the champion of bone or uh, just some other attachment in there besides uh, the matriarch or the, um, the bannerman. The, let's see which ones. Um, yeah, the, I think is like the main one people like to put in there. Um, but still, it's an awesome combo to do, but once you've shot and you're stuck in there, you now need to find other resources to get yourself that free retreat because you don't want to be spending their action to retreat. I know you could always take Lady Val or take the Maneuver Zone, but in my opinion, Lady Val is the weakest NCU. I'm not saying she's a horrible NCU by no means. I'm just saying of your options, in my opinion, she's the weakest. Not only that, you're going to have to replace a zone's effect to get that retreat. Uh, or, like I said, take that maneuver zone to get that retreat. Just simply taking the, the matriarch allows you to, you know, get that retreat um, by, you know, really doing almost nothing. And you can get it once around because it's an order. Um, and, it you know, it's a reaction, uh, not an action. Whereas Lady Val and uh and or just using another nc to take the maneuver zone is something you're going to have to do on your action and there's going to be a step in between doing that and then being able to uh shoot and charge again with your spear wives whereas taking that matriarch uh, allows you to get attacked retreat and now you're in prime position to get you know get your uh uh, double look off, you know, your your shot and then your charge. Um, and I think that's where, you know, Spearwives are, I think, like the MVP for most free folk lists. And, you know, the more times you can get that combination off with the, um, what's it called, Charging Valley, uh, the more potent your Spearwives are going to be, especially for, you know, a six-point investment, seven if you're running the Bannerman. Um, I mean, I have a bunch of lists where I have two Spearwives, both with Matriarchs, and then one with the Bannerman. And then I just fill it in with uh, some Chaff, you know, with Raiders and whatnot. Um, and they just, they put in so much work. Um, what would you, uh, is there, are there any attachments that come to mind that are kind of under underutilized just because of um, other attachments that are available, just kind of outshine them, and, and like not outshine them because, like I said, not because the attachments are bad, just the other options are just uh, so good. Um, yeah, the the for Baratheons, it's the the pikeman captain. I think that's what he is. Let me have a look. I think he's the pike captain. Yes, the pikeman captain. I mean, he has boldness and courage. That's a very, very, very strong ability. Um, in particular, it's good in Bastard's Girl, uh, but it's it's a kind of another thing, you know, that's an eight-point slot. Um, but I think for Baratheons, the opportunity cost for running that unit is like a unit of Flaidmen or... Uh, if you're running um, 
champions of the stag, of course, that's, that's eight points as well. But giving the Bastard Girls 5-7 is pretty good. Uh, and I know that it's really good because uh, a lot of Targaryen players are turned on to Grey Worm with Bastard Girls for the, that exact reason. You know, giving them 5-7, five, 5 shots is really no joke and then having Charging Volley, the vulnerable token. So I don't see a lot of the Pikeman captain being used. I think he's pretty good. Um, I still don't see a lot of Devin Seaworth. Really, really like Reckless Heroism. Um, For a point, guaranteeing that six-inch charge, I think the opportunity cost of D3 wounds is pretty low for a guaranteed six. Um, You know, I can't count the number of times things have been screwed for me because I rolled a one. It's not just losing the rerolls, but now that you lose tactics cards for the entire turn instead of just for the attack, there's a lot of situations where it just messes everything up. Again, as a Lannister player, you know, if I'm banking on this Flademan charge because I have Hear Me Roar in hand and then I have Fealty to the Crown as well, and I, I've done this charge kind of recklessly just so that I can heal, you know, my red cloaks or even my own flademen, and I'm banking on this failed panic so I can restore them, and then I rolled a one, and now I can't play either card. You know, it, it can literally cost you the game, you know, depending on how many, how big that play was, that one can just screw everything up. So I really like it for not just the added range. Uh, Devin and a unit of Bastards Girl, it's, if you can shoot them, you can charge them, and you can't fail. So it seems really good to me. It increases that threat range to basically 14 inches because you'll shift up, get into range, shoot them. If you're within 12 inches, unless you're going over a bog, you know, you're, you can charge because of movement six. So that's a really, really – a couple of really good ones from Baratheons that I've stumbled upon you know, while tinkering with Baratheons and list building. For me, uh, I think my number one pick, like probably in the whole game right now, and that's just because Lannisters have so many amazing attachments. My number one pick for uh, an attachment that's really good uh, but is just overshadowed is the uh, Iron Resolve. Uh, Iron Resolve, plus one to panic test rolls and minus one to wound when failing panic tests. You know, certain units that you put him in are going to be, you know, nearly, uh, you know, they're, let's even just say uh, Pyromancers. I know Pyromancers, that's, you're going to look at eight-point investment. And again, it's more so about the fact that they're just overshadowed by all these other amazing attachments. But let's just take all of that out of the picture and just think about, what the guard captain is giving. Iron Resolve is such an awesome ability. I mean, every time I see Iron Resolve on a commander, I'm just like, this is awesome. You know, whether it be uh, um, Balon uh, commander, um, I believe Stannis, uh, Rulor Stannis, um, and then Eddard, uh, all three, I believe, have Iron Resolve as an ability, and it's awesome. I love Iron Resolve. Um, Again, if you put it in the Pyromancers, you're looking at a five-up morale with a minus one when failing. It means that even when you do fail, you have a 33% chance, as long as they don't have a way to boost the damage, uh, to just not even – you can still fail and not take anything. 
um, which at that point you're out, you're not losing any wounds, so you would just have to worry about whether or not they have like a trigger that happens when you fail a panic test. Um, but still, Iron Resolve is such an overlooked uh, ability, I think, and I think the problem really comes from that it's in Lannisters, and Lannisters are the faction that you need this ability against, in my opinion, um, to kind of offset a lot of their panic damage. But, I mean, not a lot of people go into um, list building with uh, uh, facing the mirror in mind. Um, I mean, maybe at one point, you know, like when it was pretty much all Free Folk and Stark, uh, you know, on like TTS and whatnot, a lot of players would do that. But when you have uh, eight factions, and especially if you're playing casually, uh, a lot of thing I think on people's or the last thing on people's minds is the mirror match, unless maybe like their group just happens to be a bunch of the same faction. But I think Iron Resolve is such an amazing ability. It's just that uh, you know. Um, it's in it's in a it's in Lannisters, which I think are arguably the overall best uh, attachments in the game. Um, I, I know we've talked about it before. I think maybe Starks are the best generic attachments, so like non-named characters. Uh, but I think if you're just factoring as a whole between the named characters and the generic, um, Lannisters by far have the best attachments, just like the the Kingsguard. All their named ones. I mean, their stuff is so good uh, that I don't. There's almost none that you would say are bad uh, or like not very usable. Uh, you know, you can maybe make the argument for the Sentinel Enforcer, but that's only because he's more like a niche. Like he he's more of a um, like you're looking to do a very specific thing with a specific unit. Um, and it's it's not really because the Enforcer's bad. He's just very, his play style and what he's trying to do is very narrow. Um, but other than that, everything's amazing. Like, all the different versions of Jamie are awesome. Like, just trying to decide between four different Jamies, uh, which one to run, is always a headache. Um, I mean, you could really count five, because if you want to run the Kingsguard unit, you can't run Jamie. So... Yeah, it's uh, the guard captain giving Iron Resolve for one point is an amazing investment. It's just, I think, overshadowed because of uh, the other options Lannisters have to offer. You, uh, I know you had to take off for a second. Are you back yet, uh, Brett? Okay, so um, I would say another um, uh, that I almost, in my opinion, I feel needs an attachment of some sort uh, is the House Clegane Mountainsmen. Uh, for those that listen to you know the Lannister uh, episode where we talked about the units, this is one unit that I'll just kind of reiterate it that. Um, is that uh, if you're looking at it, it's actually a really good unit. 
My only problem with it was the fact that it's it's more of a uh, support unit. Not what I mean by support is I don't mean like it provides some outside ability, but the fact that it it wants to attack weaker units, um, plus one to hit, and vicious when attacking enemies with fewer remaining ranks. Um, so you, what I mean by support is you want to have one unit, get in the charge, maybe take out a rank, and then have these guys come in for the cleanup. Um, but with that said, it makes makes them uh, more of a support unit, and you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to want to run a bunch of them, meaning that if you want to run like an all-Clegane list, you're looking at one of these, one of the brigands, uh, cavalry unit that's coming out. Um, you're looking at running uh, the mountain to give the keyword to someone and then Sandor to give the keyword to someone. And, you know, that's four of the keyword, uh, or uh, sh sorry, I shouldn't say keyword, uh, the affiliation, which is a lot, and that's, I think, plenty. But it's just the fact that this, as of right now, is like the mainstay unit for the Clegane faction, and they're kind of built around being, you know, more so of a one-of. Uh, but anyways, that's kind of why I feel like these guys really want um, some sort of attachment in there to really just boost boost uh, their damage potential, so that way um, you don't mind, you know, running in there and doing a one-versus-one, even though you're not getting your effects off the bat, you know, you that plus one and that vicious right away. Um, you know, a great example be uh, to add to them. I think like the number one option really is um, Manded more for that uh, plus one uh, to hit and Sundering when you control the crown. And, uh, you know, that way you can bring them back to a, f a three up to hit, seven dice with critical blow and Sundering um, and now, you know, that should easily take out a rank, uh, and now you're within, um, you know, that range to start getting that, uh, the other buff, because then if you can get that other buff, now you're looking at hitting on twos with Vicious Thunder and crit Critical Blow. Um, another one to put in these guys is, you know, just an Assault Vet. Um, I mean, the Assault Vet's so good, you can argue for him and just about any unit but uh in here you know that assault that's going to give you that plus or that minus one to panic uh for dealing uh panic you know to kind of supplement a little of that uh that panic uh aspect because you're not getting your vicious right away um guys uh are definitely a great unit but they're one of those units that's going to benefit a lot more with an attachment in them. Another great attachment I thought uh, uh, to, that I had uh, faced one of our locals, he had ran uh, Ramsey Commander and put him in them so that they had the, uh, um, I always want to call it heroic visage, um, horrific visage so he'll give him the horrific visage helping uh trigger that prey on fear multiple times um you know and that that could be a great uh, uh attachment to put in there 
coarse ruse, giving that intimidating presence, just like the assault vet, but also that spread fear. Um, now, putting a commander in there could be risky. I mean, they are a four up, seven up, which in my opinion is just a tad below like the average. You know, in my opinion, like a four up, six up is your average uh, like midline for defensiveness. Um, so you are kind of risking that a little bit, but that prey on fear healing, as long as you put a commander in there, that's going to help uh, trigger that, um, I think will help supplement some of that defense for you. Um, otherwise, uh, let's see. We haven't really talked about um, too much about... Uh, Stark. So I know we have a lot of you know people who are still kind of on the Stark train, and I don't blame them. They have some pretty awesome stuff. Um, they're not really my favorite faction anymore. Um, they just kind of went in a direction that uh, I wasn't too fond of, but I still play them. I mean, I have like 90% of the army painted, so I definitely I love trying to get uh, my painted stuff out there. Um, one unit, I would say so many people run an attachment in that I really don't think needs an attachment in them, unless you're talking a commander, is uh, House Tully Sworn Shields. Um, Sworn Shields are absolutely amazing for six points. To be totally honest with you, I really don't even think they need the stubborn tenacity. I think if you took that out, uh, they would be still a point unit. But, uh, but yeah, that stubborn tenacity really just kind of drives them home as uh, one of the absolutely best uh, defensive units for their point costs. You know, obviously there's some, there's easily better um, defensive units, but they usually cost seven uh, points. Uh, for example, um, Unsullied Pikeman. But uh, to have a six-point unit that's super defensive just naturally and, you know, has a decent attack profile. They're hitting on fours, seven, five, four. And then, but that stubborn tenacity, they have a six up morale. So more often than not, without a modifier, you're going to be dealing some wounds back, especially if it's a totally themed list and you can get some buffs in there, whether it be through stalwart or, um, I forget, uh, the plus one that the, whatchamacallits give out cavaliers embolden uh if you have uh them nearby given that embolden you know making them a five up um five up is kind of that going from a six to a five is like one of the biggest jumps in my opinion for panic you know six up you should pass a lot of them a five up probably not feeling a lot i mean on average uh without modifiers um so Totally sworn shields. I mean, I understand why people want to put attachments in them. Um, the biggest one I see in there is the Mormont veteran, because uh, you just make them so impossibly hard to kill. But at that point, um, you're not really adding any offensiveness to them. And now they're a seven-point unit. Uh, at least like the pikemen, in my opinion, they have a lot more um, bite to them with uh, with the tactics deck and some of the options available to them. Not only that, but they have that set for charge to get like an extra attack in there. Um, 
you know, so, but, uh, yeah, the Sworn Shields, I don't know, maybe if you're just running one, but a lot of the times your Sworn Shields are going to be that unit that's going to sit on an objective, kind of giving you some points. And the last thing I want to do is invest seven or more points in a unit like that, um, because that's that many more points not engaged with my opponent. I like to do whatever I can to, if I'm going to have, usually I try to have like one, I wouldn't call them a throwaway unit, but a unit that's four, five, six points usually at most um, that I can have sit on an objective, if it's like a five objective uh, mission, where they're just sitting there getting me a point every round. I don't have to worry about them, you know, getting attacked because I kind of have all my forces, uh, you know, occupying my opponent. And, you know, if my opponent's using, let's say, a seven-point unit to do the same thing, and I'm using my four-point unit, I mean, I have the advantage there. I mean, I'm, I have three more points invested elsewhere, whether it be the tactics board, um, you know, NCUs or other units that... Uh, you know, it's you know, it just helps uh, you know win the battle in the end. Um, I mean, that's obviously not always going to be the case, but uh, it will give you that edge. Um, say, uh, berserkers, uh, berserkers are they're one of those units that I would say absolutely does not need an attachment. They're just so good. But for whatever reason, for me, I always want to throw an attachment in there. They're, they're that one unit that I would say is actually kind of in a category of its own where, like I was saying, it's, it's a unit that, um, you know, you don't really need an attachment in them because they're just so good. And... Uh, you know, you can run them just by themselves, and they're going to put out a lot of damage for a six-point unit. Then again, I feel like adding even just a one-point attachment, uh, it like it magnifies their potential. Uh, I mean, I would say that they're like a six-and-a-half-point unit, um, you know, or even more, you know, as is at without an attachment and then you put like a one point attachment in them and now um it like magnifies depending on what attachment you put in them it just magnifies their potential and now a lot of times in my opinion a, a six point berserker unit with a one point attachment ends up being like an eight point investment worth of a unit uh for example berserkers with uh a mormont vet uh, is a big one. Uh, a lot of people give that to them to make them a lot more survivable because uh, they have that five-up save, they have the unyielding, uh, they have the five-up morale, and now they have the hardened. Um, really just drives home the defensiveness combined with their offensive potential by weight of dice uh, and being able to hit uh, better when they lose ranks. Um, Another, for me, uh, that's kind of like, that's third on my list. Uh, second on my list would be a Sworn Sword Captain. Um, just give because you're hitting on fours initially, and I still want to have that uh, um, 
that alpha strike potential, that sworn sword captain giving me the rerolls and making them vulnerable. Uh, I've talked about this before, but this is a long time ago now because Starks, I believe, was the first faction we covered um, with the 2021 uh, update. And the the Sworn Sword Captain in a unit of Berserkers is, uh, in my opinion, it puts them back to seven points, and that's what the old Berserkers were. I think uh, Berserkers with the Sworn Sword Captain are by far better than the old um, 1.6 Berserkers at seven points. Um, granted, you're using up your, your slot for the attachment, but, I mean, that's fine with me. Um, I've, I found that my Berserkers are way more potent now than ever before. Um, but that Sworn Sword Captain... Because more often than not, that vulnerable token is going to be more useful to me than Sundering. Um, not always. There are definitely uh, situations where you're going to want that Sundering. But um, with Starks having some of that mobility built into their faction, you can usually get into the flank and still get that Sundering needed, uh, You know, essentially, because you're getting the minus one for the flank. And now you also have that vulnerable token. Um, and then re-rolling attack dice when you hit on fours initially, if you haven't lost any ranks yet, uh, is also huge. Um, you know, because I've noticed that if you don't have re-rolls of any kind and you're still sitting at three ranks hitting on fours with seven dice, isn't all that scary because you have no keywords or anything like that. But that Sworn Sword Captain really, in my opinion, drives home. And then, you know, when you do finally get put down to... Uh, your last rank, and now you're hitting on twos with nine dice. They're vulnerable. You get re-rolls just in case you happen to roll any ones. Or even, let's say, you're fighting some, uh, um, whatchamacallit, uh, skirmishers. And whether or not they uh, have like a minus one or minus two, depending on what uh, whatever combo potential you might face, you know, now you're hitting on fours, let's say if they have a minus two, so you're back to where you were, but you still got that reroll, and now they're vulnerable. Uh, and we, you know, anyone that's kind of faced skirmishers knows how frustrating it is to get that minus. But also, if you can get that lucky attack through, where you actually roll well and get a bunch of attacks through, and now they're saving on their horrible defense and uh, horrible uh, morale, you know, you're really going to drive home a lot of damage. Uh, so, and then to wrap it off, like my number one favorite thing to put in Berserkers, uh, is Dario. Um, he gives that, uh, those keywords back to, you know, the, he might not give that Sundering that, uh, Berserkers used to have, but like I said, they, you know, they have so many dice, but now critical blow and precision, in my opinion, for if you have a lot of dice, especially if you have Catelyn influencing them, in my opinion, on the charge is better than the Sundering because the more dice you have, the more chances you have at those sixes. And if you can get a, you know, a ton of sixes, let's say like four of them with because you have rerolls out of nine dice, I mean, you're looking at you know, so you know, so much weight of dice on your opponent not only are they going to lose four guys from the precision, they are now going to have, you know, um, 
those still four saves from the sixes because they essentially almost do what they did before. You'll still, um, they just don't provide all eight attacks from the uh, from the critical blow to precision. Now four of them would be precision, take out four guys, and the other four would be your straight up saves, assuming you don't have a modifier there. Um, so Dario, for one point, is amazing. He's a, he's amazing, like, everywhere, in my opinion. I absolutely love putting him in uh, Greyjoy Reavers as well. Um, so what do you think? I think you're uh, muted still. Maybe not. You said you were back. Um, oh, I see what happened. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry, guys. So what happened was uh, uh, Griff's call was dropped, and then I didn't notice that. Me. And when he get when you rejoined, it auto-muted you. <laughs> okay. uh, you censored so, me. It's okay. Yeah. So were you asking me my thoughts, on, my thoughts on Dario or my thoughts on the Berserker conundrum? Uh, both. Kind of like just the whole, more so Berserkers, but, you know, Dario is kind of like my number one go-to. I just, I like to run captains because they're not limited, you know, so I can run a bunch of them if I wanted to. But Dario... Um, He's just amazing everywhere. You know, I've had, I've been tinkering around a little bit with the hedge knights lately. And at the seven point slot, they seem like they might be decent in a Stark list. Um, the Tully Cab are really nice for emboldened, but sometimes you just need that seven point unit. So for me, if I was building a list for Starks around, you know, some hedge knights and some other, um, Units like that, I would be running the – I would run Peter Baelish, who's a fantastic NCU anyway. And then I would be running uh, maybe Bowman with Braun. And uh, I would be running the this, Berserkers this with the um, Stormcrow Lieutenant and give them their Sundering back. So essentially at the old price tag of 7.2, you'd basically rebuild your Berserkers to what they were before. Um, if you're running Braun in Bowman, you wouldn't necessarily have to run Baelish because you would be incentivized to take the bag anyway. But I really like uh, Peter's emergency once per round uh, taking claim of the money bag uh, on a really high-tempo turn where you just absolutely have to have it and your opponent's going first. You can bolster up the defense on those uh, hedge knights while simultaneously you know, boosting your berserkers. So if I was building a Stark list that was kind of bag heavy, I would be really considering the Stormcrow Lieutenant for those berserkers. Um, you could even go take it a step further and run Dario Commander in a Stark army, because I know a lot of people are running Rick and Enosha in mercenaries again, so that's a Stormcrow unit. Uh, Dario gives the Stormcrow affiliation, and he's got those two tactics cards that let him control the bags. 
Um, it might be interesting. I'm not saying it's like the greatest thing in the world, but I do like the Storm Crow Lieutenant offering Sundering. I do wish that he still gave you that plus one attack die, though. Um, I just don't see the Storm Crow Lieutenant being used. I think needing the, to control the bags and the, you know, having Braun at a point, having Dario at a point is kind of taking away from the prominence of the Stormcrow Lieutenant. She was never really that super popular anyway. He was kind of a cool concept, but never really saw a lot of play. So, And then as far as Dario goes, yeah, I think he's good just about everywhere. Of course, I ran Dario and Sworn Brothers at National, and I, that unit just wrecked everything it touched. Um, I was running with Jon Snow Commander, so I had For the Watch, which is essentially a free charge as long as you can keep that unit unengaged. But between the free charge and if you do his follow-up attack later in the round at your convenience um, and you use the vulnerable token in the reroll from the Sworn Sword's ability, he's probably freed up because he probably killed whatever he was attacking. I mean, that's how it worked for me. I got the free charge, killed him later in the round, did my search force to get in position for another free charge, killed him the next round, you know, with the next attack because of the sundering and all that stuff. And it, it, you can put him in a really, really tough spot. Uh, but Dario in general, yeah, he's just really good. You know, whatever unit doesn't have critical blows, imagine giving them critical blows. I know he's got the downside of taking one, taking wounds for rolling ones, but some of the upside that he can offer. I really still want to tinker around with a Tyrion list that has Pyromancers with Dario. Um, that unit's capable of bringing any unit in the game down with one attack. You're taking double wounds on <laughs> yep. one, but if you're if you want to YOLO your way out, you know, burn out <laughs> instead of fading away, just go all in. Some Dario Pyromancers, seven attack dice hitting on threes. You're getting uh, no defensive saves, critical blows. You're probably doing anywhere between seven to nine wounds with each attack. Um, the cool thing is with him offering precision, you know, you think like, well, you know, uh, precision is overkill on pyromancers, but sometimes it can be kind of important to push through hardened or shield wall or uh, resilience or some of these other abilities and really, really, really push that nasty attack through. Probably overkill Not because a- most often the two, the two hits with no defense saves is going to be enough, but, you know, it's basically – one hit with no defense saves, one auto wound at that point. Pretty nasty. Yeah, and not only that, you know, you might you might take two wounds for every one you roll, but I mean, you could even you could easily offset that by running a uh, high sparrow uh, NCU and jack in NCU to double high sparrow to kind of double your range. You obviously wouldn't be able to trigger both on the same fail, but. You could just widen your your field out uh, across two different units within long range of that um, to make sure that you're always going to be in range of one of them. But, you know, because doing all that damage and then now they're taking that panic with a vicious, um, you know, you could just heal back those ones that you take. Uh, And then uh, to go back to the Stormcrow Lieutenant real quick, um, and I know I've mentioned this quite a bit, I think, by now, but you never know when there's new people listening. Stormcrow Lieutenant, I think, is definitely undervalued, but 
more like him and Baratheons is just amazing uh, because you Baratheons among any other faction has the potential uh, to run Alistair and Littlefinger and guarantee yourself the bags every single round with, with the exception of, you know, if you like use intrigue and subterfuge or like Olena or something that can turn, turn one of them off uh, to prevent it. But like outside of a few corner cases, you know, you're, you're guaranteed the bags like 98% of the time. And what I mean by that is you, if your opponent goes first, takes the bags, then you'll not have the bags for like one turn, you know, before you then could go with Alistair and swap the spots. Uh, so you basically have the bags the entire game. Um, and with that said, that means you can run um, Braun uh, in some Sentinels to make them a 3-up, 5-up, which is awesome. But then you can run a bunch of Lieutenants in anything, anything that... Uh, you really want to get that Sundering and that highest attack die, especially if you're going to bracket um, pretty badly, uh, you know, all things considered for like a higher point unit, let's say like uh, Rose Knights. Um, Rose Knights, you know, they are a 754. Uh, the problem with being at seven, a lot of times if you're at seven, you're normally like full health and you can't trigger off your uh, deadly bloom and whatnot. Um, but now, if your opponent does uh, doesn't attack you, um, you're going with hitting on threes with seven dice and sundering. And if they do attack you, you're still at seven dice hitting on threes with sundering. Um, potential with Rose Knights. I mean, I know it's an eight-point investment, but now you've turned this super defensive, scary unit like defensively into this unit that has this like this bite you know, this proactive bite, you know, not a reactive one from the deadly bloom, but now you can go off and really start wreaking havoc for that one-point investment, especially if you're a fan of the Rose Knights. And you can pretty much say that about uh, most things in um, the Baratheon faction, even Wardens. Wardens automatically always having six dice with Sundering, uh, but also now have that Counter-Strike um, rule or Faithful. Uh, they don't bracket too bad, but still at one rank, hit with four dice, but now you go back to seven dice, hitting on fours, you'll have that Sundering. You can use their uh, Faith token um, in order to get Precision and Vicious, so now you have Precision, Vicious, Sundering. Um, what else? Uh, last one I'll throw out there is uh, Queensman. Because um, I know the Kingsmen already have Sundering, but Queensmen, uh, they bracket pretty bad too at 754. I mean, I guess that's not that's semi-average for a lot of units, but again, this is a, a defensive unit at seven points. It doesn't hit very hard, um, and that one-point investment I know puts you into that eight-point bracket. But it, if you really are set on wanting to run these guys, uh, you know whether it be Rose Knights or Rewards Queensmen, it kind of gives you a little extra needed to make them, you know, really hold up their end of uh, end of things and really start to pull their weight rather than just an expensive uh, objective holder. Um, but, 
yeah, so I think we can kind of wrap it up there. Um, there's so much more we could talk about. I mean, we jumped around a lot between every faction, I think, other than Targaryens. I think the only one we didn't really talk about, we didn't talk too much about Night's Watch. But, I mean, with all fairness, those are two, arguably the two top factions. Some could say Lannisters is number two. Um, but, uh, you know, I think right now um, the other factions kind of need some love. So we can maybe do like a part two to this and really dive into the uh, Targaryens and Night's Watch and then kind of go over a lot of the other stuff that we didn't talk about. But when you're talking about a topic like this that involves the attachments and the units because they kind of go hand in hand when talking about whether or not you should or shouldn't run an attachment in something. Uh, I mean, there's so much you could talk about. There's so many combos, so many, you know, do's and don'ts. And when I say do's and don'ts, uh, obviously, you know, do what's fun for you. Um, there really is no wrong answer. It's just, uh, you know, just kind of a discussion, you know, something to kind of consider. And again, to kind of end it off, uh, if there's been an attachment that you looked at and you have never played it before, but and that's simply because of how bad it looks on paper, do a game with them. Promise that you're going to be surprised. You're not going to be – I mean, you're probably not going to be blown away. I mean, you might, but you probably won't be blown away by it. But I think you would be pleasantly surprised you find like a unit that that unit uh, that attachment uh, synergizes with really well, um, you'll be pleasantly surprised at uh, at the outcome of how it performs. Now, granted, that's you know that doesn't count if you put it in something and then you YOLO it <laughs> into into death and it never does anything all game. But you know, uh, but yeah, just try to try uh, new things out and experiment. You know, there, there's still so much for us to all kind of pl- uh, try out, you know, with the new 2021 stuff. I mean, I don't even remember at this point when it came out, but, you know, we'll just say it's been out, what, five months or so since, like, it dropped, like, officially uh, or officially unofficial. I don't know what you would call it at this point, but um, enough to where people could actually play it on the tabletop for themselves. Um, so, you know, just keep experimenting, keep trying to, uh, find all those new, uh, you know, potentials. I mean, right now the meta keeps shifting, you know, you think this thing is the the best thing and then, um, the next thing comes out and you've seen a bunch of lists out there that are, you know, you look at them, you, you wouldn't think that they're bad by no means, but, you know, you'd go oh, I'm surprised that one, you know, did so well. Um, or, you know, I would never would have thought of that. Um, I don't know if it necessarily fits into that category, but uh, Cyrus, uh, he had a really awesome, well-thought-out Lannister list that he brought to, uh, was it Nationals, Brett? Yeah, it was national. Yeah, and... I mean, you look at that list, and you know, it's not like some crazy out there thing, but it's not, I would say, your typical uh, uh, cookie cutter or usual meta um, Lannister list, and you know, it worked amazingly well. Um, and 
that's just one of those things that, you know, just keep trying different things, especially if you play a lot of casual games. And when, what do you have to lose? It, it's a casual game. That's the time to really just try anything and everything and see what fits the best. I mean, that's how I kind of stumbled upon uh, my uh, one Stark list in 1.6 that performed super well. Uh, you know, the all Berserker and uh, Great Axe uh, Blackfish list um, with some wolves. You know, I just was playtesting, trying things out, and you know, I was running pretty much Eddard Commander and um, and Great John Umber. Uh, commander. Then I finally stumbled upon Blackfish, and then I stumbled upon, you know, some of the combos that could happen with Blackfish and the Berserkers and the attachments and so on. And, you know, I developed this list that just clicked with me and wasn't necessarily like meta or something that other people thought was good at face value. But I think that's the other important thing is finding something that clicks with you that you enjoy playing because uh, the more you enjoy playing something, the more you're going to, um, in my opinion, play as a better person. If you don't really like what you're playing, uh, I've seen this a lot. You know, someone will see the new hot uh, list, and just because they own that army or faction, they'll run that, and they won't perform very well. Their heart's just not in it. I mean, they might do. Um, they might do decent depending on the scale of the strength of the faction or what what they're doing. And this kind of goes across all games in general. Um, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, even just like watching 40K big events, a lot of like the top lists are these like random what in the world were they thinking? You know, you look at it and you're like, how in the world did that do good? Like, it just seems like some hodgepodge of randomness put together, but it's something that someone crafted with an idea based on something between uh, the love of being able to create this thing and uh, having tested out enough. And, uh, you know, you just perform better when you're playing something that just kind of clicks with you. So, you know, I'll say it for like the hundredth time, I think, by now. But just uh, try out new things, and I think you'll be surprised. Uh, Brett, uh, we'll jump over to you. Do you have any kind of final thoughts on uh, this topic? Yeah, I have a homework assignment. It's a it's a homework assignment slash I want to hear about it if it works for you. I want someone to do the biggest heel bomb possible and. I'll tinker around with it, and I'll try to make it work for myself, too. It could work in my roof list. I want um, Jock and Hagar, the High Sparrow, and a Fealty to the Crown. So you – actually, it's, it's even better if you have the Hound. You can heal even more. But essentially, I want you to panic them, make them fail, uh, trigger the High Sparrow, heal, uh, spread fear, make another unit fail, trigger Jockin's High Sparrow, heal again, then play a fealty to the crown on top of it. You get bonus points if you're running Sandor, and you get fueled by slaughter as well. So I think with fueled by slaughter, you can heal 13, but with just fealty to the crown, high sparrow, jockin, you can heal 10 in one attack. So I want someone to do it. It's a meme. Make it happen. <laughs> Spread fear and do a massive bomb heal. 
And I guess if you Tyco at the start of the round, you could heal 15 or 18. But I want to hear it. If you've done it, if someone's done it already or someone's done something similar, you know, feel free to post in the Facebook page or in our Discord or wherever you want and tell us about the biggest heal you've ever had in one turn and or try out this Jock and Hagar High Sparrow with Spread Fear meme big bomb heal. <laughs> I'll, I'll start us off with this one. I did it with uh, Greyjoys. I have mentioned my super heal Greyjoy list before, but it's basically it's like four Reavers, one with Balon, three with Warsworns. Uh, the fifth unit is a uh, Trapper unit with Asha. And then I have... Um, uh, Aaron Greyjoy for that influence healing. I have Wendemir for his token healing, and then I have Tycho for his healing. Um, I was down to technically zero wounds, but went to one wound because of what is dead may never die. I then Tycho'd. I then used Wendemir's order, so that's uh, five, six, seven, eight wounds I'm at now. And then uh, I used, uh, I activated the unit and um, used, uh, what's that one card, um, rating call, and transferred uh, four trappers over. So uh, it was a uh, pretty insane amount of healing, and none of it uh, um, conflicts with them with themselves because the, the order from Windermere and the um, uh, once per game from Tycho are not actually orders or effects that conflict. They have the same timing, but uh, I can use both. And then the uh, the tactic card is when the unit activates. So it's, uh, it's definitely some crazy comp- combo potential out there. Um, but I'll close this out by uh, doing some shout-outs. I want to mention to everyone, uh, I think they have about 10 to 12 people right now signed up. Uh, so not as big as uh, the previous one, but Gamers Haven in uh, Ohio is doing another tournament on November 6th. I will almost uh, most likely be there. Uh, I might get sent out on another deployment this coming Friday, but it's looking like it's not going to happen. And even if I do get sent out, it's, uh, I think it's only going to be for like a week. And uh, the... By this Friday, it'll be like two weeks before the Gamer Havens tournament. Anyways, with that said, uh, I'm mentioning that because I plan to bring a ton of uh, prize support because um, I don't think they have Simon uh, prize support this time around. Um, but I know Gamers Haven will be doing some prize support, and then, like I said, uh, Small Council Radio will be providing a bunch. So if you can make it to that one, that would be awesome. I would love to see you guys there. Um, is November 6th, which is the first Saturday of the month. Um, it would be awesome to see some of you guys. Uh, I've only ever heard awesome things about Gamers Haven. I have uh, unfortunately not been able to go yet. The last couple of tournaments uh, were really bad timing for me, um, but I am super excited to get out there uh, and you know meet a bunch of the guys. Uh, um, I believe Chris uh, from Sunday Slaughter will also be there. Uh, they might be streaming some matches, maybe not streaming, but recording some matches. So definitely uh, mark that on your calendar and try to go to that one if possible. Um, if you're not a part of their Discord, um, they're 
all, you can get like all the info and um, uh, ask any questions that you need to on the Sunday Slaughter Discord. Uh, and you can find the tournament info uh, on a Song of Ice and Fire Stats.com. Um, I believe you do have to make a profile if you don't have one, but it, it's really easy to make a profile. And if you haven't made one already, I definitely suggest doing that. Um, but they have the tournament info on there. I believe they did uh, announce that they are doing alternate list building. Um, that's, if you haven't seen it already, that's the um, document that Simon had posted. So they're doing the um, medium-sized game, which ends up being 42 points. It's 26 points in combat units, 4 points in attachments, 4 points in NCU, and 8 flex points. The flex points can be used as anything um, between those other three. So you could run 8 points of attachments, uh, 12 points, sorry, no, you could run 12 points in attachments if you wanted, uh, 12 points in NCUs. Um, you could just run, you know, the flex points. If you've done fantasy football, it, uh, you know, can be used for any of those categories. Um, but I like, uh, I like the potential of this format. Um, you know, it, because it's 42 points, really the only thing it's requiring you to do outside the normal uh, is run two points in attachments because you have to think you're getting those two extra points in there. So even though you have to run four points in attachments because you have two extra points, uh, you really, um, if you have a 40-point list, uh, it's only really forcing you to uh, run two points in attachments outside your normal. And then on top of that, uh, you can run three NCUs, obviously, if you run... Um, uh, three four-pointers, but it does limit you from if you want to run a five or six-point NCU, you won't be able to run three NCUs, but I think that's fine. Um, I think uh, this this event's definitely more on the fun side of things. Uh, I believe there are no restrictions, but it's kind of like one of those things where a lot of people kind of have this understanding that it seems like no one's going to be running like the the crazy stuff that a lot of people have a problem with, um, but they didn't want to restrict anything uh, this time around, which I, I respect. I think uh, I think it's all good. Um, I like I like a little bit of everything. For me personally, I just like knowing what we're doing ahead of time. I just don't like surprises. <laughs> so otherwise, like I don't mind um, alternate list building. Uh, if need be or not, uh, restrictions or not, just as long as it's uh, clear from the get-go. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, last shout-out I want to do is uh, for another tournament, which is uh, Dragonfall. This one is in uh, Lake Geneva, um, Wisconsin. It's a Dragonfall con uh, the Dragonfall Convention. Um, I believe it's like 30 bucks for the weekend pass, and then it's like another 20 for the event ticket, which is over two different days. Uh, that one is this coming weekend, the 23rd and 24th, um, at least for the the Ice and Fire tournament is the Saturday Sunday this coming Saturday Sunday. Um, I believe the convention itself is on Friday as well. 
um, but there's no, I don't believe there's any uh, ice and fire on that day. Um, so definitely check that out. I will, um, again, as long as I don't get sent out this Friday, uh, I will be at that one as well. Um, but yeah, uh, we can wrap it up there. Uh, I want to thank you, Brett, for coming on. You know, this is definitely an awesome topic, and I was glad to finally get uh, to discuss it. Um, you know, I can't wait. Uh, you know, we'll definitely have to do like a part two, um, probably not anytime like super soon, but uh, I'll probably put it on the queue um, to talk about. Uh, and you know, probably me and you, Brett, will do it just that way. We don't accidentally. Uh, if I have other people on, we might accidentally start talking about the same stuff we talked about on this one. Um, but yeah. Uh, Again, thank you, Brett, for coming on. Uh, this, uh, and everyone listening, thank you all for listening. And uh, definitely j uh, join our Discord if you are not a part of it. Uh, on there, you can kind of give us some show suggestions that uh, have been on your mind, um, and we will put them in the queue. And I'd love to uh, be able to discuss uh, some of the stuff that you guys kind of have on your mind. I know um, someone had just suggested they wanted to hear about a wish list Um I was saying we might save that for some time in December. Um, one, because it's kind of thematic with the holidays. Uh, two, because we kind of did a lot of wish listing and like suggestion, suggestional stuff in all of the 2021 update uh, uh, episodes. Um, not only that, our our viewers kind of seem to be uh, torn between you know not wanting that content and wanting it. Um, so. We figure we'll we'll provide it that we kind of please a little bit of everyone, um, and uh, yeah. So again, join our Discord. Give us some suggestions. We, you know, we can never have too many uh, topics. You know, we we'd rather have way too many that we don't know if we'll ever be able to get to all of them, than uh, you know go week to week going. Um, you know, what are we going to talk about this time, uh, and just kind of make stuff up as we go. So. Um, again, thank you all for listening in. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.